Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo. The crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. Chris McNaughton was always going to work in investigations. It's his area of expertise. He's worked in Victoria Police as a detective in inner city CIBs, sex crimes and cyber crime squads. Chris was involved in the arrest of crims Victor Pearce, Christopher Dean Binns, Peter Gibb and Heather Parker. Then he formed his own company, Secmon One. He now specialises in fraud, corruption and cybercrime in the corporate sector. It's always fascinating speaking to Chris about cybercrime as he's often on the front line working with companies that have been compromised. Hi Chris and a big welcome back to The Crime Couch. Thanks Rochelle, thanks for having me. Chris, since we last spoke... It seems cyber attacks are becoming commonplace in our workplace. Why is that? It's an interesting question. So there's a number of hacking groups, I guess you call them, but one of the big ones is is ransomware, and we can talk a bit more about that in a a minute. But um, the trend has increased massively over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, A lot of these groups are based in Russia, and a lot of this is fundraising, honestly. So what's happening there is that uh, pressure of gaining funds from from wherever these ransomware groups are finding this is a great source of revenue and so it's increasing out of sight is it i suppose summing up in terms of like low risk high profit it's massively high profit and it's very very low risk um, there's a couple of reasons for that it's very low risk because these guys and these groups uh, uh, are offshore they're in russia and they're in belarus and they're in these these sorts of countries but it's also low risk because they don't attack their own. So they only attack Western countries. They don't attack... In fact, some of their software they use is designed not to drop the payload if it happens to arrive on a computer in Belarus, for example. So it's very, very sophisticated. What's behind these attacks? Is it purely fundraising? And give us a little bit of an idea of their structure, because I don't think many of us have any idea behind that curtain. Yeah. So these groups are both very fluid, but also at the same time, they have they have their own internal structures as well. These are very big organisations which move with the, the trends and so forth. So if ransomware is is the trendy, that's, if that's where the revenue is coming from, that's where they'll go. And they'll come together and, and you know, bring experts together um, as they see fit. So they might have someone who writes the software. They might have a, a, another part of the organisation which sends it out. They might have some monitoring. They have help desks. I mean, these are very sophisticated organisations. You know, you ring the help desk and they answer the phone. I mean, that's amazing to think that they've even got a help desk. They're replicating businesses and legit companies. So what's their MO? So their MO is they will look for vulnerabilities in an organisation and they don't really care where the organisation is but they will in particular look for certain certain organisations where there's going to be sensitive information so for example healthcare we've seen healthcare 
uh, attacks uh, or attacks on healthcare organisations skyrocket this year in the last 12, 12 18 months. And so we know why that is because they've got highly sensitive information that's that's you know that's often vulnerable, and so that's where they'll go. And so this is what these organisations do. It's very interesting because you're right; they seem to be spreading, and that's the other thing. I, I, I'm really interested in the fact that they're Russian-based hacker groups. Why is that, and why do they protect their own? Why don't they? go and infiltrate their own organisations? Because obviously they've got a language there. Is that also part of their philosophy and, and political stance as well? It's potentially political, but it's also very, very dangerous for a Russian hacking group to attack uh, someone in Russia because the, the, the government police over there really take a very dim view. And if you go, if you disappear in Russia, you know, you disappear for a long time. And so it's much easier to attack a particular US company. And there's probably a bit of a political you know, sway there as well, but uh, they certainly won't attack their own. It's very interesting, Chris. Look, the latest scenario, you know, as we've spoken a little bit about this before the interview began, involves the release of these legal documents. They apparently have come from Victorian government agencies and they've released these onto the dark web after an infiltrated law firm, HWL Ebsworth, was hacked in April. How would you describe this attack? Well, this is pretty typical. You know, they, these attacks sort of play out in, in a pretty standard way. So they will first compromise the organisation. So they'll get in via a phishing email or, or, you know, they'll find a computer that's not quite patched or whatever it might be. They'll get in. They'll then spread out through the organisation. Now, they'll do that usually very quietly. Uh, they don't want to make a noise because they don't want to be detected while they're doing you know, what they're doing. And what they are doing is stealing information. And they'll steal as much as they possibly can from, from everywhere that they can get to it. And once they've finished that stealing of the information, then they'll encrypt the information on the organisation's servers. And so what that means is they've got your information, but you don't anymore because it's all encrypted. Now, that's the, they call it sort of the, the double extortion. They've got your information, uh, you don't, they've encrypted it, and what they'll then do with it, then you get the message. They'll say, hey, um, you know, we've got, your, you, we've got your information. If you want it back, pay us money. If you don't, we're going to publish it to the dark web, and, and they do. And one of the issues with, with some organisations, particularly uh, law firms, honestly, is that information is everywhere. So... It's on someone's laptop, it's on a server, it's in an email, it's everywhere. Um, and we, you know, my organisation does work to clean that sort of stuff up, but it's really across the board. A lot of organisations are like that, unfortunately. Information everywhere, and that's the danger. It's really concerning, isn't it? I mean, that recent attack that's and the release of funds, I've found interesting because it's been a drip feed. Like, they initially... Uh, infiltrated the uh, this law firm in April. I mean, it's kind of like death by a thousand cuts, really. Is this also part of their MO? It is, and they, they escalate it. And so, you know, they might uh, drop a little bit of information to the dark web to, to just to prove, hey, we've got your information, we do have it. There'll be a negotiating process. They'll be asking them for, for certain funds and they negotiate and they'll, they'll, you know, you can contact the help desk to make sure, for example, the, the Crooks help desk, you know, to say, have you got the decryption key? And you yeah, that will pay you, you know, whatever, a million bucks and it'll decrypt some. Okay, here's a little bit more, we'll decrypt some more for you. But if you dig your heels in 
and won't pay a ransom, as most people don't, they will just increasingly release more and more of your sensitive information to the dark web. And that's all about in, just increasing that pressure on the organisation to, 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 um, you know, to, to pay the ransom. It must be successful. What percentage of companies would fold under that sort of pressure? Most organisations say they don't pay. Organisations do pay, unfortunately. We've got clients who have obviously had ransomware attacks and have paid, paid ransoms. You know, Australian government's position is don't ever pay a ransom. And we've seen in a couple of our clients, one in particular I'm thinking of, where they had data encrypted, they were part of a ransomware attack, they paid the ransom, they got much of their data back or decrypted, and 12 months later, they got hit again by the same group. So, you know, paying the ransom is, you're painting a target on your back. Chris, it's been interesting to me that there's recently been cyber attacks on emergency service organisations. It seems now they're targeting other sectors. Is, is that accurate? It is. So, you know, typically uh, the, the group that, that you're talking about there, they were, they specialised actually in the education sector for a long time and they've now diversified and they're, they're using various methods and so forth, but they're you know, you're an easy target if you're a government organisation to a large degree because you do have a lot of sensitive information and it's easy to get, honestly. And so they'll go where the money is. They'll, they'll go where they, they think they can get a, an easy win. What you've seen, Chris, because you've been dealing in this area for some time, you're a subject expert. Has anything surprised you recently? I guess the thing that surprises me is the scale of some of this. And we were working with an engineering firm um, a year or two ago and they were hit with a ransomware attack. So they got in, they stole their data, they stole about 20,000 highly complex uh, documents. Uh, these were, were design documents. And they didn't pay the ransom. And unfortunately, it, for that organisation, it was, it was business ending. And that's what surprises me. Um, you know, the back end IT, you know, infrastructure and so forth, backups, they're just not there, or the crooks have encrypted them as well. And it, it means you need to make that decision what are we going to do about this? Are we going to pay the ransom and get these critical things back or not and end the business? And they, they ended up folding the business. A, a very specific thing with that one was they were hoping that the crooks would publish their files to the dark web because that was their, their only source of those files from that point on. Um, they didn't. They got very few back. Do you know the other thing that really strikes me is the glaring inadequacies of our infrastructures in the way that we keep information. It's sort of like we've made a rod for our own back. Yeah, exactly. So we, our business for us is very good, I've got to say. That's a bad thing when business for us is good. But since the Optus and Latitude financial hacks, which are you know, some of the biggest that we've seen in Australia ever, um, organisations are starting to come to us and say, hey, we don't know where any of your information is, you know, help us. And when we look, at, which is very typical, we find sensitive information everywhere, on servers, as I say, on in, in people's laptops, it's, it's everywhere. And, and the big thing for that is, you know, you've really got to keep an eye on that stuff and how it sort of proliferates through the organisation. Unfortunately, the bigger the organisation and the more sensitive information you've got, the worse the problem tends to be. 
We now have a Chief Information Security Officer in Victoria, and I've noticed workplaces are desperately trying to shore up their systems and their personnel. Is it pointless? Is it worthwhile doing? Unfortunately, it's pointless. So when, when I say that, it's a bit of a two-edged sword. Uh, hackers will get in. They will, you know, if they send 100 phishing emails into an organisation, about 10% of people will click on those emails uh, every time. And, and that those figures never really change. And so what we've got to assume is that the hackers will get in, they will steal your information, and what we've got to say, we've got to do two things. The first thing we've got to do is say, know where our information is and understand that it's where it should be and it's protected. Right Now, that's a bit, that can be a really big job, but it's, it's something we've got to do. And, and the reason for that is that typically information that we hold doubles every three years. So if you've got a problem today, in three years' time, it's doubled. And so, you know, we, we've got to keep on that. Isn't the biggest risk exactly what you've just said, that 10% of the workplace? The biggest risk to any company surely must be their own staff. I mean, attackers use and exploit staff to gain entry into networks and systems. How on earth do you counter this? Well, it's about keeping your, your, your data tidy, right? keeping your information tidy. So instead of it being you know, on everyone's laptop, it's in a server which is protected, you know, so, so we know where it is. And that, that means you've got to actually look and tidy things up. Now, that that's, sounds like a massive undertaking. It, 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 it actually um, isn't that bad. But you need to take the step now. You need to start doing that now. Um, and you need to do all of the, you know, security 101 stuff. You need to keep the hackers out and have your firewalls and all of that good stuff. That absolutely, we need to do that. We can't leave the doors open. But tidy up our data at the same time. The corporate sector is now more informed. Uh, companies are pushing back and, and now tending not to pay these cyber criminals. Is this still the best course of action, Chris? If I'm coming to you and my uh, security or you know my data um, collection has been compromised and some of the records and, and you know companies' records have been compromised, it, do you still think that's the best course of action, not paying? It is, and, and history's proven that to us, you know, where, where um, clients have paid ransoms and, and they've been attacked again. Um, but, you know, if I'm a, for example, a you know, critical infrastructure, uh, I'm, a, I'm a school or whatever in Victoria, and I get hacked and I get my data taken and I pay the ransom, well, they're absolutely going to, like Domino's, going to hit every school that they can they can see in Victoria. You know, that that's just what's going to happen. And so... Uh, th there's not much we can do about it. We, you know, you've got to keep your data safe. You've got to back it up too. You've got to, you've got to almost be able to write that data off. They've got it. They've encrypted it. No worries. We've got another copy here which is safe. Those are those things. That's, these are the things you've got to do. AI or artificial intelligence is now also being used. How are the cyber criminals using that? That's an interesting one. That's pretty new, um, and we've seen AI used. Um, over the last, say, 12 months or so, we, we've all seen phishing emails, and they're pretty, they were pretty awful. The grammar's pretty terrible. They're worded pretty, you know, you can say, oh, that's a phishing email. You can pick them. But it's becoming more difficult because the crooks are now using AI to write their phishing emails, and they, you know, they're pretty good now. So very, very hard to pick. So how do you? Well, you've got to suspect everything now. And so, you know, if you get that email that's uh, supposedly come from the chief financial officer saying, hey, pay that bill quickly or, hey, click on this, um, 
click on this now, um, you've got to you've got to think is that genuine and and err on the side of not believing it, you know. Um, and we we've seen some really sophisticated uh, phishing emails which have targeted specific people, where you know you might have been at a conference uh, with a, with a particular you know uh, accounting conference or something. The next day you get back to your office and and someone says, hey. Bob, I met you at the conference yesterday. Here's that document I talked about. You think, oh, I, I did meet a lot of people. I'll click on that. You've just been hit. It strikes me as being so sophisticated. And I think that's probably the other thing that absolutely amazes me is, you know, if you're stealing 20,000 bytes of information, you've got to have an awareness of that company's IT and what is invaluable. You're dealing with people that are experts, aren't you? You are, and and if if people in the organisation aren't the the vulnerability, then the systems that are unpatched will be. So you know, if I go, I might throw the net out and 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 try and scoop up a hundred organisations, and the ones I'm going to hit are the ones that have got that server that's you know hasn't got the the right version of the software on it or something like that. It's it's like the old the burglar goes and finds the window that's open. That's where I'm going to go. I'm not going to make life hard for myself. I'm going to go through the open door. Chris, what are some of the other cyber attack trends that you're now seeing? So the other interesting one is, I guess, the uh, uh, Internet of Things, the, the, the devices, our devices that are all now Internet enabled. So we've all got all sorts of things that are Internet enabled, and, and from our fridges to our watches to all sorts of things. And some of them have vulnerabilities that allow hackers to use them. And, and how are they using your fridge? What they're doing is they're turning that into a, uh, a device that they can point at other people. So, for example, you know they might want to bring down the Ticketek website, for example. Well, they'll have a, have a you know, 60, 70, 80,000 bots, which might be your fridge or other internet enable devices now point them all at ticket tech at the same time and bring the site down and so our fridges are becoming our worst enemy russia <laughs> it's just mind-boggling it's it's worse it's worse than brave new world i mean Aldous huxley could never have predicted this what do you think is the future and, and you know what's your vision as to cyber crime in say 10 20 30 years We've, we've always been a little bit behind the hackers, but I think we're starting to, to realise now that what are they targeting now? They're targeting our information. That's what they're targeting. And so we're seeing a very a strong swing now for organisations that have certainly been coming to, to us and saying, hey, help us with how do we clean up this data? Where do we even start? And so the pendulum is swinging back the other way now, which I, which I think is really healthy. How can companies and individuals just protect themselves against these cyber attacks so you've got to do the uh, security 101 stuff you've got to have your firewalls and all that sort of stuff which is great uh, you've also got to suspect everything and so if you get an email from someone in the organization saying hey do this or what's your password you know pick up the phone and, and, and actually speak to that person heaven forbid we use a phone instead of an email now um, but certainly suspect everything that's that's the you know the way we need to be be unfortunately at the moment last question has your company ever been hacked no thankfully um we haven't been hacked we've got great backup systems and we're all most of us ex copper so we're highly suspicious of everything it's a bit of a tragedy but that's what you're training now train cynicism and skepticism yeah unfortunately we we have to be that way it's um we've got to keep ahead of the crooks and you know protect ourselves
Always fascinating. Thanks very much for sitting with me today on The Crime Catch, Chris. Thanks, Rochelle. Lovely to speak to you. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Catch.